0: Okay. Tonight at RUF, we are looking at, we've been going through the series on the final days of Jesus, and last week we looked at Jesus' crucifixion, and uh, tonight we're going to look at the resurrection, and um, this is in a lot of ways, the crucifixion and resurrection are everything in Christianity, so it's right that we would uh, take some time to look at them, and a, a lot of the Bible focuses on these major events in the life of Jesus, and so I wanted to do the same thing, and we celebrated Easter on Sunday, so what better time uh, to study the resurrection in RUF. And so we're going to look at Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and his account of the resurrection. So let me read it for us. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, meaning Jesus's, uh, some of the female friends of Jesus, went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit now. In verse 36, it picks up. and It says, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Let's pray one more time. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come now to your word, we pray that you would show us your truth, and that your truth would set us free. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. When I think of an event in my life that was a big moment in the world, uh, the thing I think of most readily uh, is September 11th. And I know that September 11th happened about 17 years ago now, so most of you were really small when it happened, and most of you in the room probably don't remember it happening Or at the very least, you don't remember what life was like, much of what life was like before September 11th. And I was reading an article uh, this week that kind of talked about everything that's been changed by September 11th. And it's really amazing. Uh, For one thing, our country has been at war ever since. So if you were born, if you were little at that time, you don't know a time of life when our country wasn't at war. Um, Think about... thousands of people that would be alive today if September 11th hadn't happened. Think about the people, the 3,000 people that died that day. Uh, All the people that have fought in wars around the world uh, that relate to this big event uh, that would be alive today. Think about the children that would be born if all those people were alive still. Uh, Another thing that's really changed in our world is immigration and deportation. And uh, you know like because you live in america today and donald trump is our president that there's a lot of fear of immigration today and a lot of that fear stems from september 11th and donald trump used that uh, to his advantage when he got elected and there you could make a case that donald trump could not be president of the united states had september 11th never happened think about everything that would be different if that had happened right uh, another thing that changed was that uh, we increased surveillance everywhere. So you've grown up in a world where you know that there's a great likelihood that you might be, someone might be listening to your phone conversations or some computer program anyway, or uh, sifting through our text messages and emails, and that's just kind of a fact of life. Uh, things like the TSA exist, the Department of Homeland Security, none of that existed before. And think about airports. Airports are totally different now. Security is. Uh, security around the world at major events is totally different but uh, before September 11th anyone could go to any gate in an airport and just sit there like if you if you were waiting on a friend to arrive you could go through the metal detector and just sit at the gate and wait for them uh, you could bring a knife on an airplane before September 11th and any liquid you want as long as the knife wasn't that big can you imagine like that would be unthinkable today we would say you can't bring a knife on a plane Because September 11th truly changed everything about our world because something became possible that was previously thought to be impossible. We lived in a world before that where we thought no one would ever do that. So we don't need to worry about it. But in the wake of September 11th, we prepare ourselves so it doesn't happen again. And the result is that nothing's the same. September 11th affects everything today. And what I want to share with you today is that Jesus' resurrection is the exact opposite of September 11th in terms of, like, destruction versus life-giving amazingness. But it's similar to September 11th in this way. It's a specific event that happened in one place in the world, but the result is that everything is affected nothing will be the same because this event happened and it's the it's really good news that we need to remember and so i want us to kind of understand what the resurrection is tonight and what it means for us so w- the way we're going to look at it is we're going to look at the fact of the resurrection and then the meaning of the resurrection and then finally the power of the resurrection so first of all the fact of it and what i mean by that is you know you may be here You may believe that Jesus rose from the dead and you may not. But what you have to accept is that as it's presented in the Bible, it's presented as something that actually happened in our physical world in front of people like you and me. Uh, It's not written like a myth at all. It's written like an eyewitness account of people that are just reporting what they saw. And even more believable is that none of the people believe it. Like, the people have a really hard time, even his best friend, Jesus' best friends, coming to terms with the fact that it happened. Um, And what we see in this text is that Jesus had an actual body. Uh, It was continuous with his old body, so it was recognizable, and the wounds are there, uh, but yet it's transformed. Uh, It's a glorified body, uh, but still with the scars and... uh, Jesus is not portrayed as a spirit. Uh, You know, it's not like, oh, Jesus is alive in our hearts or something like that. No, he's physically alive. He's touchable. He's like, I'm hungry. Do you have any food to eat? And he eats it. And this account has all the marks of a story that's not fabricated. And one of the biggest pieces of evidence of that is that women are the first people that see Jesus. Because in Jesus' day and age, a woman's testimony was not trusted in court. Women could not testify. Their testimony was viewed as not trustworthy. So if you were going to make up a story about Jesus rising from the dead, there's no way you would put women there as the first witnesses. Not to mention that many of these other witnesses went on to die because they would not deny what they saw. Not to mention that no one expected this to happen. If you look through all the literature of the people that lived that day, whether Jewish or Roman, no one expected this. And there were lots of eyewitnesses. So the bottom line is that there's as much evidence for Jesus' resurrection as there is for anything that happened 2,000 years ago. And it's reasonable to believe that it happened. Okay, So that's kind of the fact of the resurrection. We just have to come to terms with uh, what this is saying about jesus's resurrection that it did happen that it was physical and uh, but the big question i want to address tonight is so what what difference does this make and this is something i don't know if you've ever wondered about this but i often wondered about this growing up you know why do we make such a big deal of this what does it even mean and a lot of the rest of the bible explains exactly what it means and one of the prime places to look is uh, in the apostle paul's letter to the corinthians first uh, corinthians chapter 15 he just like does this you could go read it after our UF tonight i won't read it tonight but it's this big argument about the importance of the resurrection and in it he says first of all if it's not true there's no hope like i don't know what you hope for but if this didn't happen there's no hope and If it's not true, following Jesus would be totally pointless. Yet, he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And he says something really interesting here. He says, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Do you know what first fruits are? Uh, I am an amateur gardener. Did you guys know that? Love got a little garden plot next to my front door Uh, take a lot of pride in my garden even though it's like really weak sauce and amateur but like i love i really do enjoy uh, growing things like tomatoes and cucumbers and lettuce and things like that and uh, first fruits like if you grow anything in jesus's day they'd be probably thinking about like grapes and olives and stuff like that but uh, at the beginning of the season the first fruits as you might imagine would be the first fruits that you see when like in the springtime or in the early summer when stuff started to grow. And let me tell you, as a gar- amateur gardener, first fruits are awesome. Like it's the best feeling to see the first fruits. Uh, why? Because of two reasons. First of all, they make a promise visible, and second of all, they make the future visible. So, I'm gonna, so first of all, they make a promise visible. Think about that. You put a seed in the ground. There's a long time that passes before anything seems to happen, right? Uh, and you water it, and you check on it, and you water it, and the next day you check on it. Nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Water it, check on it. And then all of a sudden there's a sprout, and you're like, yes! Like, my wife has to deal with me being like, there's sprouts in my garden, and she's like, great! Uh, and then you water it some more, and then you're like, there's a flower! Something is happening! And then you water it, and you check on water, and days go by, and then you see that fruit. And then that fruit grows and grows and you get, it grows big enough to eat. And let me tell you, that is the most satisfying feeling as a gardener to eat something that grew in your garden. Because some days along the way you're like, is this even working? I see nothing. Like, am I watering it too much? Am I watering it too little? What is going on? Why is nothing growing? But when you eat that first fruit, you're like, this actually happened. This was worth it. And if you look at verses 44 through 46 here, this part where Jesus is talking about how he relates to the Old Testament scriptures, what he's doing there is he's taking them back to all the promises about the resurrection that are buried in there. And there's a lot of them. And what he's doing is, like, he's explaining how there were thousands of years of waiting for God to make the earth a place that isn't sad anymore. That's what the whole Old Testament is about. Uh, when is God going to fix this world? And for thousands of years, people wondered that. People just like you and me, when is God going to fix me? And as you read through the Bible, what you read again and again is God assuring his people, my promises still stand. I am at work to fix everything that's broken about our world. It's happening even though you don't see it. It's happening even though it seems like the opposite is happening. Because on the day When Adam and Eve turned from God and said, No, thank you, we'll follow our own path, and the world became sad and broken, God put a plan in motion to save the world, and the first fruits of that plan are the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is alive. Death has been conquered. It used to be that no matter how much goodness you could kind of extract out of life, it was all trumped by the fact that at the end you just die. Not any more because Jesus is alive. Okay, so they make, the resurrection makes this promise finally visible as the first fruits. But first fruits also make the future visible in kind of a related way. You know, just like, you know, I eat that first tomato from my garden and what I'm thinking is like talking to my wife Maggie and I'm like we're going to be rolling in tomatoes this summer you know like they're good you know they're good and like we're going to have a lot of these Uh, they show the first fruits show what you're working with it shows what uh, has come and the Bible teaches that Jesus is the first fruits and what that means is that there's going to come a day like when he rises from the dead that's the first fruits and it means for us that There will come a day when those who belong to Jesus that are dead will come alive just like Jesus did. And like Jesus, we will come alive with a body that cannot die. And our world will come alive because sin and sadness and death will not be present to mess everything up again. I don't know if you ever get tired of the things that are broken in our world, Uh, I'm on a church. My church has like a prayer email list, and uh, I'm on that. And people send prayer requests. And you know what? I'm I'm really really tired of getting emails about people dying. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of looking at the news every day and being like, oh, someone else was shot, and just like having it roll over my head because like it happens so much. I wonder what are you tired of in this world or what do you what struggle of this life wears you out the most. And as you think about that, you need to know that because Jesus is alive, that stuff is on its way out. Thank the Lord. But the amazing thing is that even though so Jesus's followers were waiting for that day when we You know, when we come alive, and we're waiting for that day, too, today. But even though we're waiting for that, the power of the resurrection started changing things in the world immediately. And it changes things today while we wait. And so I want to close us today by talking about the power of the resurrection. Because the resurrection, it's not just a hope for tomorrow But it's also a power for today. And the way I want you to think about that is this. Do you ever, I do this a lot. I'm not sure what this says about me that I do this a lot. But do you ever wish you could go back to middle school or high school knowing what you know now? So I can go back. I think about this all the time. And I just think like, man, if I could go back to those places knowing what I know now, I would be invincible Like, I would have so much more confidence. Like, it would be so great to walk through those halls, like, as confident, uh, knowing what I know now. I wouldn't worry about all that stuff that I worried about back then. I definitely wouldn't be involved in any of, like, the stupid, petty stuff that goes on uh, in those years, right? And for me, I'm just like, man, that would be really great. And what you need to know is that resurrection power is kind of like that. You know, if... It's not like future me can't contact present me and tell me everything's going to be okay. But the resurrection does prove that for those that belong to Jesus. Because the resurrection is true, I know my destiny today. And it's as sure as if I had gone back in time and could like, be my old self with what I know today. Okay, I know today that I'm ultimately accepted by God and that my sinful heart and this broken world are going to be made new. And the way this power worked uh, right after this, like, do you know, after Jesus died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, one of the first, like, major things that happened is that Jews and Gentiles started to worship together. Like, that's a racial, like impossibility up until the resurrection that couldn't like everyone who knew about the dynamics of those two racial groups would say that is impossible but that's what happens in the wake of the resurrection. Uh, Christianity goes global, and it doesn't matter what race you are. People that have all this racial history uh, become brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Relationships heal because of the resurrection. Enemies become friends. Uh, You know, it's, it's worth noting that yesterday was this big celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination, right? 50th anniversary of it, and It's this time where we mourn that we live in a world where something like that would happen. But we also celebrate the life of this man who did so much uh, to bring about change, especially the way we relate to each other as different races. And what you need to know about that is that that was a movement powered by the resurrection. Martin Luther King Jr. was a man whose hope was in the resurrection, and that's why it happened. Uh, The resurrection is a power that can be unleashed in our world and in our lives. And, you know, how can we access that power? Verse 47 here, I think, gives the key. It says, repentance for the forgiveness of sins repentance is a big kind of bible word but what it really means is saying i am not enough and it means going again and again to jesus's death and resurrection as my only hope it's saying school can't save me my looks can't save me my family can't save me money can't save me popularity can't save me only jesus can jesus is my only hope a God who knows all the reasons I am unlovable and still loves me and dies for me and conquers death so that I can live forever. That is my hope. And so a life of repentance is one of turning again and again to that hope, even when we fall away. And it's amazing how resurrection power is unleashed in our lives when we've come to trust Jesus in that way. Uh, we started talking about re- this semester by talking